0: Amen. So I, I, this is going to sound a little cliche, but I love Sundays. As a professional Christian, I'm supposed to love Sundays, but I have always loved Sundays. I love the church coming together as we planted a church and now are a part of this church. Sundays are special. They're also unique. Uh, They, my rhythms are different. I'm up extremely early and have time alone and it's dark and it's cold and I'm usually under a blanket in my office and uh, and I just have time to think. There's everything about Sundays I love. After we gather, it's generally met by an afternoon nap, which is my, the, the peak of a Sunday for me. Uh, but I, I love Sundays. And I especially love when Sundays fall on major days in the church calendar, like today. It, make, it seems extra special if there is such a thing in the presence of God. When we gather together on Christmas Day or on Christmas Eve, it just feels different. Doesn't it? Maybe it's because we have pastries and hot chocolate. I don't know, Uh, but it does feel unique, and I love that. And so, at the end, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter two today. And some of this you heard in Caroline's um, message to our kids. But if you don't have a Bible, there is a Bible on the end of each row. If there's not one on the end of your row, there's some. There's one, a hard black one, uh, on the end of the rows. Just grab one. We're going to be in Luke chapter two, and I'm going to start by reading verses one through seven, and then I'm going to close us by reading. 8 through 14 at the end this morning. Um, But it seems appropriate uh, to read and to press in to the birth of Jesus as given to us uh, by the Apostle Luke. And so this is Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. You know, we we talk about this every Christmas, we talk about this every Easter, but all of human history really pivots on Christmas Day, the birth of Jesus. And Jesus is born into the world. He's not created, but he's born. And he's not appointed king later, he doesn't become king, he's born king. And he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I think so oftentimes, particularly in seasons like Christmas season, we find ourselves in a pretty hurried pace. Any confession this morning? You go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, and then to the other thing, and then the other thing, and then the other thing, and and you never find yourself slowing down to dwell. And I think oftentimes, just like the end, we become so full that we have no room for the Savior. We have no room for the King in our midst. And so he's relegated to our own stables of life where he's often an afterthought in our communal life. And my prayer today is that each of us, all of us, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, doesn't matter, but all of us are changed just a little bit today by the presence and power of God. You know, when we think about a manger, uh, we often think about hay, right? You think about animals, but you don't think a lot about the dirt. You don't think about the the insects or the mice. Anybody ever been in a barn? We all like like to make it beautiful and seem perfect, and it was far from perfect, but in that manger is a soul healer, is a snake crusher. In the manger is a way maker and a death defeater, in the manger is the Son of God, the one who couldn't be captured by death itself. And so while we celebrate life, while we celebrate Jesus' birth, we must remember that it's the power of Christ being the Son of God, who was born in a manger and lived a perfect life. If you're like me, you often come around days like Christmas and you think, well, why? Why did Jesus come? And I think there are a handful of reasons. We see these in Matthew's, uh, chapter, Matthew chapter 5, what we call the Beatitudes. We see that Jesus came to reconcile what was wrecked in the garden. If you don't know the Christian story, at the beginning, very, very beginning, that little black Bible that you can take home with you if you, if you don't have one, there's a story of God created all things, and all things were good. And then it wasn't. In Genesis chapter 3, sin entered the world, and the consequence of sin was death. But ultimately, the consequence of sin wasn't a stopped heart or a brain that wasn't working. Some of us still have those. But it was the the absence of the presence of God. And so as we think about what happens at Christmas of Jesus coming, he came to reconcile what was wrecked in that garden. He came to mend what was broken and to make whole what was shattered. He came to redeem the rejected and reorient the chaos. Amen? Anybody coming in with a little bit of chaos today? He came to give rest to the weary and to bring near those that were far off. He came to put darkness in his place. This is the power of Christ. And to bring light to those who would trust in him. He came to save us. He came to bring us back into the presence of his Father. But ultimately, Jesus came because of God's great love for us. Romans chapter 5, which is, we've been slowly sneaking Romans chapter 5 throughout our Advent series. But Romans 5 verse 8 says that God shows his love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is why he was born into the world. He took on human flesh flesh that would be torn open, flesh that would be ripped, broken, for us. He died for us. I'm going to read from John chapter 3, which may seem super cliche. So if you're one of those Christians who is like, ah, I don't know, the church is so cliche. I'm going to read all of John chapter 3, starting with verse 16 and going down through verse 21. This is the ultimate purpose of Christ coming into the world. Listen to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We've all heard that verse, yes? Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you've seen it at the NASCAR race. Listen to verse 17, though. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Love is perhaps the deepest longing of all of our souls. Not perhaps, it is the deepest longing for all of us to be loved and accepted. If you remember being in middle school and, you know, the first girl that caught your eye or the first boy that caught your eye, and you have this longing, it's in our DNA, to be accepted in the presence of another. And yet Jesus comes and he accepts us for who we are. He doesn't look behind us. He just looks at what he has done in his life and his work. We all want to be loved and we all want to love someone. But God's love for us isn't expressed in a perfect set of circumstances. The life of the Christian isn't the good life. It's often met with trials and suffering, dark days. We call it valleys. Because ultimately, the pinnacle of the Christian life is met in God's presence when Christ comes back and makes all things new. But God's love for us is fully expressed to us through his son Jesus Christ. So if there's one thing that you take this morning, it is that, that God's love for us is expressed through his son, Jesus. And so how do we respond? How do we respond as a church or your church, wherever you might come from today? How do we respond as Christians? We're called to love because we have first been loved. We have an example. We are to love God and we're to love one another. You can take a look around the room. We used to do Christmas Eve, by the way, in basically a closet of this room, right? We met on a little house off the square. But if you look around, God is doing something in our midst. And it's not because there's more people than there used to be, but it's because at the core of who we are is love. The lyrics of O Holy Night say this. Truly, he taught us. Do you know it? To love one another. His law is love. And his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. In his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise. Let all within us praise his holy name. So what is our response to the very presence of Jesus? It's surrender. It's worship. It's confession. And as we do those things, we see clearly who God is. Philippians chapter 2, if, you, if, you don't, if you're not a part of the branch, we are studying the prison epistles of Paul. And kicking off in January, we'll study Philippians, and I'm super excited to get to Philippians chapter 2. So I'm going to give you a little sneak peek real quick, okay? A little Cliff Notes version. Philippians 2, verse 9 through 11 says this, Therefore... God has highly exalted him, being Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. What is his name? Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. That means all of them throughout time. Every knee, every tongue. A lot of times we like to put Jesus in a little crib and we like to put him on a cross. But where he belongs is on the throne for all of us. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Charles Spurgeon, who I quote often, I wish my beard was more like his. That's why. He says this. He often would have these little one-liners, right? But he says, whether it's on, in the manger or on the cross, wherever we see Jesus, we see salvation. Now, I don't know what you saw when you looked out the window, but uh, you see Jesus out there. You see Jesus throughout every day. And as a Christian, when we see Jesus, we have to respond. And it's often through prayer, but surrender, it's through worship and confession. What I loved about Riley having us look out the window is his wife was standing at the window. I don't know if you noticed that. Jordan's in the back, keeping the baby quiet. But truly, he has come To save us. Truly, he has come to save us. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, we'll pick up where we left off at the beginning. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. God in saying, can we read it together? Verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Truly he has come to save us. We're going to respond now by going to the table for communion as Jesus, uh, the, the last night before he was crucified, met with his disciples, the people who are closest to him, his, his best of friends And they they shared a meal. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And they didn't really know what he was talking about at this point. And then he took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood, which is spilled out for you. If he has come to save us, and we are saved through his death and resurrection, and God has kept all of those promises, he will keep his promise to return and make all things new. And so as we go to the table, our elders will be at the tables. If you want to pray, you can do that. Uh, Some of our pastors will be up here in the front if you want to come pray. But use this as an invitation, as a time to respond. And maybe for you today is for the first time you've seen Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Don't leave without telling somebody. It doesn't have to be me. Tell somebody. Maybe for you, it's, you just need to slow down and to pray. Our elders would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. Andrew, Jared, find someone. Maybe it's the person sitting next to you you haven't introduced yourself to yet. But maybe you just need to create space, and this is the perfect place to do it, just to dwell in the presence of God. Emmanuel, God is with us. I love you. Merry Christmas. Let's pray now. Father, we are thankful that in this season of uh, Christmas joy that we can be reminded of your great love for us, that you sent your son uh, to live a perfect life so that we could be brought back into your family, adopted as sons and daughters. The greatest gift is you. And so help us to dwell in your presence. God, for those who are in here, who maybe are feeling the stirring of your spirit, I pray that they would respond today. So Lord, we love you and we trust you. We thank you for Jesus today, that he was born in a manger. He came as the least of these, despised and rejected by men. And we thank you today that Though he's born in a manger, his grave is empty. So we we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our Savior. Amen.